Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. So great to be with you again today. And I was thinking uh, about the classic game, Hide and Seek. Uh, you know the game I speak of, and I find that when it comes to that game, there are really two kinds of gamers. There are uh, often the older gamers or certain gamers that they love the hiding. They love finding the best spot. They come prepared. They know where they want to hide. They usually bring supplies, food, so they can live in that place for an extended period of time, making sure that they are never discovered in that chosen location. They are serious. They are dedicated masters of concealment. They are experts at the art of camouflage. They are committed to outlasting all the others. Because the game for them is about effectively hiding, making sure you're never found. And they often win at that game. But there's also another way to play that game. Maybe more like the way little kids play it. They find a spot to hide. Maybe it's behind the curtains. Their feet are sticking out from below. Their silhouette is highlighted by the lighting behind them. And they're standing there. And as their parents go by, they giggle. <laughs> and you can see the curtains shake as they do so. They're giggling. <laughs> and at first, the parents act like they don't even see them. You know, uh, where are they? Where are you? More giggles, curtain shaking. And then finally, the proclamation, I found you. And they bubble up with laughter. They, they pull the curtain back. They run and embrace. Because as great as the hiding was, it was so much greater to be found. That, friends, is God's heart for you. God is seeking. The question is, will we allow ourselves to be found? You know, there's a, a Bible study that several in our church family have been going to that is a Bible study based around uh, the teaching of a lady named Christine McClellan, a gifted teacher, especially when it comes to Middle Eastern culture and, and how to understand the culture uh, around Jesus and how they would receive what he was relaying to them. And as part of that study, this has been communicated to me, she talks about the word repentance. And we translate that accurately in the Greek as to turn around, to turn 180 degrees, to, to go a new direction. But she talks about the Hebrew understanding of the word for repentance, and it adds this other nuance. The Hebrew understanding to repent was really to allow yourself to be found by God. Our Western mind wants to put the work on us. I've got to turn. I've got to go a new direction. I've got to do that work. But the Middle Eastern mind puts the work on God. God is seeking. God finds us. Question is, would we allow ourselves to be found? And when we allow that, that is the idea of repentance. See, today we're going to begin a series called
called Seek. It's a series dedicated to the central idea of Lent, which is the season we're in. And it's this idea that we would live our lives in pursuit of God, live our lives seeking God. Because if we would turn our hearts to God, God will always meet us. As Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So it is that seeking that we want to invite you to engage in through this series. But before we get to the many aspects of how we seek God, there is a foundation we must establish, and it's this. We are able to seek God because God first seeks us. Think of John, 1 John 4. We love God because God first loved us. John 6, no one comes to the Father except the Father first draws them. Hebrews 12, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. This whole possibility of this relationship of life and joy and peace, it all starts with God. It did not start with my desire. It started with God's desire, God's pursuit of his kids. This is the God who seeks. This is the God who reaches, who rescues, who look, looks past us in our angry, shaking fists at him and sees through to our broken and fragile hearts. This is the God who picks us up out of the miry clay, the God who reaches into the mud to set us free. For any of us who have relationship with God, that was not made possible because we somehow earned his attention. We did so by somehow doing the, enough of the right things. No, no, it wasn't that. It was because God's attention was already on us that God longs to be reunited with his kids. Friend, God has sought you out your entire life. And God seeks you today. The question is, will you allow yourself to be found? I hope to engage that discussion by turning to one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's in John chapter 4 to a hero of mine in the scriptures, a hero who we simply know as the woman at the well. And the first thing we learn from her story is this. God seeks us out to close the distance. God seeks us out to close the distance. We're going to read this passage, read the first part of it. Uh, John chapter 4, verses 4 to 14. It's a big section, but I didn't want you to miss all that goes into this. So we're going to read this all together right where you are. Big voices go. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So back to the first observation. Jesus seeks to close the distance. With that in mind, let me lay out for you a few of the different types of distance that are represented in this passage. First, what we see here is tribal distance. Jesus is on a trip and he goes through Samaria. Key understanding here is that Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They saw them as the stupid people. They saw them as mixed breed, half-blood people. They were seen as folks who practiced a mixed form of worship, who didn't know God like they did, and that made them spiritually dangerous in their eyes. So much so that the good Jewish person would do all they could to avoid who they saw as the filthy Samaritans, even to the point of adding tons of distance to your journey in order to not have to ever encounter them. It was prejudice, plain and simple. It was bias that was formed from this deep-seated, painful history. Those were the rules of the day. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't play by the rules of our prejudice. Jesus sees past the exterior of every person and right to the heart. And because of that, all people are equal participants in the love of God. Now, could it be that there is a lesson for us to learn in that even today. So, Jesus, he goes right through Samaria, right amidst those people. And it's there he stops at a well, and there is a woman, and Jesus talks to her. Now, not only is she one of those people, she's a she, a woman. Here is another type of distance, gender distance. As a Jewish man, you did not talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. That was so over the line. Yet Jesus doesn't draw the same lines. Jesus over and over in scripture shows us how he elevates women amidst a culture that diminished women. Again, there's lessons we could learn right there. Jesus speaks to her ask her for water. Now that's a shocker. Even, it even implies that he would be willing to share her cup. That is like the highest level cultural cooties. You know, it's shocking. It's a shock to her. She's like, are, are you talking to me? You know, she's looking around. There, there's no squirrels here, nobody else here. Are you talking to me? You're, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. You can't ask me for a drink. 
You are breaking so many rules right now. It's like, like the Pope going clubbing with Nicki Minaj. I mean, it's just out of bounds. <laughs> it's just not done, except when you're Jesus. And to make matters worse, there is a distance that we might not see initially. This woman was coming to draw water at noon, at the heat of the day. We know that reputable women did that chore in the cool of the morning. They would gather together to connect, to socialize. It was like first century Facebook and Instagram and TikTok all rolled into one. But not for this woman. Now we'd later find out the details, but it was clear if we use the understanding of the day, not only was she a Samaritan seen as the least of the Jews, she was a woman seen as the least of the genders, and she was a sinner seen as the least of the least. This was the final distance. We had tribal distance, we had gender distance, now we have moral distance. Some of that certainly came through a painful history. Some of it was probably just plain old bad decisions, but she carried that distance with her. So her water jars were not empty on the way up to that well, for she carried in them the shame of her life. And that shame was a weight that she was never free of. Her personal life had created a distance between her and others, because only the least of the least would get water in the heat of the day. But here's the truth. Jesus draws close to the least of the least. Jesus is drawn there like a magnet. It's like um, Paul and I have this routine now. My wife, Paula, and I, we have this routine. On Mondays, um, we'll usually spend time in devotions on that day. It's a day off. And, and then we will go to Junction City and we'll go to St. Vincent de Paul and to Goodwill. And then we will have lunch at Arby's, uh, two fish sandwiches for $6. It's a good deal. So, so we do that. And we love Goodwilling. I love the treasure hunting of Goodwilling. And I love following the tags, like watching an item and knowing that, that when it gets to the right color tag, it's going to be half off or 75% off. So I'll watch items and I'll hide them sometimes to come back to them. I do all that stuff. I just love the whole process of Goodwill. And, and sometimes I'll get shirts there. In fact, I think I got this shirt there. And, um, and when I get a shirt there, whenever I bring a shirt home, I always get rid of two of my old shirts because I don't want to just be adding to wardrobe. I want want to be simplifying it. So that's my process. When I get a new shirt, I get rid of two old shirts. And so I've done this enough and, and I give them to Goodwill. And so we're there often enough now that I will be going and I'll be looking at shirts and I'll be drawn to a shirt and I'll take it and I'll be like, yeah, maybe I should get this one. And I'll now realize it's a shirt I gave them. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm going to buy it again. Of course I don't, but I'm like, well, I'm, I'm drawn to it like a magnet because it was mine. The same is true for every person. The same is true for you. Jesus is drawn to you because you were made to be his. It's such good news if you've ever felt like this woman felt. It's such good news if you have ever felt the sting of prejudice. It's such good news if you have 
felt the dismissal of sexism, the sneering gaze of those who seemed to have lived such a good life. Do you know that Jesus sits at the well with you if you felt that way right now? Jesus closes the distance. That, that whatever distance you may feel between you and society or you and others or you and church people or you and your family or you and God, Jesus closes the distance. Jesus joins you at the well. See, Jesus never did anything on accident. And every part of this story points to the fact that Jesus was seeking this woman. He was drawing close. It's like... um. We have our dog Swagger, who's a Labradoodle, and then we have our grand dog, Mavis, who's a golden retriever. And it's funny, just like your kids, dogs have different personalities. And Swagger um, is not really a cuddler, but he will, you know, kind of draw close, but it's sort of a close at a distance. He'll, he'll want you, he'll do this thing where he'll just kind of sit next to you and he'll put like his hand on your shoulder, like that's as close as you can get, but you can pet me now. You know, he's kind of very refined in that way. Okay, you can pet me. That's good. You know, he doesn't get all slobbery on you. He's just like, okay, it's cool. But Mavis, golden retriever, on the other hand, totally different. If there is a three-inch space between Paula and myself, Mavis will just back it on in there. Hey, this is where we're going to be. Let me just back in here. Isn't this great? We can all be together. There's so much. We can be so cozy on this couch. Plenty of room here for all of us, right? That is totally Mavis. She is all about being close. That is the entire goal of Jesus with you. Here's why. Jesus does not close the distance because he wants to get something from us. Jesus closes the distance because he wants to give something to us. See, that's where this conversation goes right. Remember, it starts out, how do I get some water? But it ends with, how will I be given water? Water that will allow me to never thirst again. And the same offer that Jesus made to her is an offer that Jesus is making to you. Jesus wants to close the distance in order to give you living water. God seeks out, seeks us out to close the distance. That's the first thing. Here's the second. God seeks us out to bring the truth. Let's continue the passage. Lengthy again, but I don't want you to miss it. So big voices, go. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship 
in the spirit and in truth. So, they continue to talk, and Jesus asks this woman about her relationship status. She says, it's complicated. And he says, I know it is. He says, the guy you're with isn't your husband, and you've had five other husbands. It's safe to say this woman was a really good networker. <laughs> but I think we can also safely say that much like her journey to find water for one more day, it seems that relationships with men had a similar temporary quality. Now, we don't have all the details, but we can infer from this that in her life there was plenty of pain and loss and rejection. We can understand that that is what makes up a large part of her story. Just like us, some of that pain was probably the result of her choices. Some of it was chosen for her. But regardless, she finds herself very much alone, searching for yet another someone to fill the void. And because of her history, she had become the woman that other women keep their husbands from at parties. In fact, by the look of things, she wasn't even being invited to the parties anymore. She was that woman. But that woman just met Jesus. And everything was about to change. Because Jesus was bringing her face to face with the truth. That is one of the beauties of this story. You know, this last week, uh, Paula and myself, we got to spend time uh, leading an assessment center for potential uh, church planters or people who would start churches. Uh, we love planting churches. We've got to be a part of that. And so we were leading uh, a, a time during the week to assess people that, that think they might want to be a part of that. And, uh, and it's always so interesting. These are folks from all over the nation. And um, it's always the same thing with folks that have a heart to, to start churches. They always come with this amazing vision for their city. You know, I've got a vision. I see, my, see the city. I see what God wants to do there. Uh, I, it's just so clear to them. But what we spend time with them on is, is not just helping them see their city, but it's helping them to see themselves. We spend a lot of time, they do a lot of pre-work and, 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 and we, we join them with a, a psychologist and, and they do a, a lot of assessment uh, material so that they can see themselves. So that we can come on the other end of that and say, here's who it looks like you are. Here's us coming alongside who God has made you to be. And as best as we can discern, and we're not perfect, but this is what we observe about you. And knowing that, it can help guide your steps. We bring them face to face with the truth. Friends, that is a process that we need every day. And that's exactly what Jesus did on this day with this woman. This daughter of God who, who had spent so much of her life on that which would never satisfy her, 
She was going to, to get just enough water for one more day, a water that would ultimately leave her thirsty once again, just as every relationship had left her thirsty. But today she meets Jesus, and Jesus tells her the truth about her life. And it was major details. It was super personal stuff, right? And she says, wow, neat trick. You must be a prophet. And Jesus is like, yeah, among other things. So she goes into this conversation right from there, a conversation that I would call a religious smokescreen. It's a diversion. Talking about which place to worship, should it be Jerusalem, should it be on the mountain, but Jesus cuts through all of that. Jesus says that the time's coming where it won't matter where you worship as long as it is in spirit and in truth, as long as it's in genuine relationship with the living God. It's another truth bomb. So here she is. Her diversion has failed. Her life is laid open and bare. And she has this choice. She can run back to the lies or she can be changed by the truth. The other day I was driving here in Eugene. I'm on Highway 126 before uh, the 6th Street exit. I'm headed towards the church on 126, and it's before the 6th Street exit, before it drops down there by the Jefferson Street Bridge. And so I'm up above there on 126, and all of a sudden the engine light goes on on my car. It's a Honda Pilot. Engine light goes on, and I lose all power. But I'm, I'm at highway speeds. I might even be beyond highway speeds, but I'm moving, right? And so I lose all power. I'm just like, whoo, I can feel the engine. I'm hitting the gas, and nothing's happening. And so I have this moment to decide what I'm going to do. Now, I know, I, you know the, the car's not doing well, so I could pull over, and I, and I could attempt to see what the problem is. Which is hilarious if you know me, because this would be me on the side of the road. I would, I would maybe eventually figure out how to open the hood. And once I got the hood open, I would just be like, there's an engine. I guess we got that. I have no ability to, to fix that. It would be laughable for me to do that. So this is all happening in just a matter of seconds. And so I make a choice. I, I think I'm going to turn down 6th Street knowing that if I can get all the way to Chambers, that I can get to a mechanic we use, Point S tires right down there. So I exit, and I have all that momentum. I'm like, I'm going to keep my momentum. And miraculously, every light between there and Chambers is green. I just make, I coast the entire way and coast into the Point S parking lot, park it, and say, guys, can you help me? And of course, they could. It was a beautiful thing. But it started with being faced with an ugly truth. My car's broken. But my action was, can I get this car to those who actually know how to fix it? Friends, that is the truth of our lives. The truth is that our lives may not be pretty. If we're honest, they just aren't. But with Jesus, that truth, that honest look, can actually set us free. And here's where, where I see what a hero this woman is. But because she not only sits there facing this truth with Jesus, she sits there long enough to allow that truth to 
change her. And Jesus wants to do that very thing with us. I mean, who are we fooling? Jesus sees everything in our lives. Jesus sees the stuff we don't like to talk about. Jesus knows the stuff that no one else knows. And it's right there that Jesus says, will you honestly come and worship me amidst that pile of rubble? Will you seek me in spirit and in truth? Starting with the truth that you don't have it all together. Will my people be willing to honestly come to God because Jesus invites each of us to meet him at the well. That's what Jesus is inviting you to because God seeks us out to bring the truth. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing that God seeks us out to make us whole. Let's finish the passage. John 4, verse 25. Big voices, go. The woman said... I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So as their conversation comes to a conclusion, Jesus reveals to her who he really is, that he's the Messiah. By the way, the Samaritan per woman is the first person that Jesus openly reveals that to. That is such a heroic place in the Gospels, a woman of questionable reputation who had been around the block. She's the first one to hear the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world. It tells you a lot about what Jesus thought of her, and it tells you a lot about what Jesus thinks of us. Often, I think we think this way. We think, what I think about me is what God thinks about me. What I think about me is what God thinks about me, often leading us to conclude that this relationship is entirely performance-based. If I don't perform well, then I'm unusable and God's mad at me. But if I perform well, then I'm worthy and I've earned my place. And none of that is true. Thankfully, God does not take cues about what he thinks about us from us. No, instead... God sees every individual as a pearl of great price long before we've done anything to add to our list of great deeds. Our value is given, it's not earned. I mean, don't you hear that in this woman's response? This guy told, told me everything there is to know about me. And, and there's some stuff, by the way, but he told me all that stuff. And yet knowing all of that, he still loves me. Somehow, in the eyes of Jesus, the truth is this. The toxins we walk through are never bigger than the treasure Jesus sees. That's 
what this woman experienced. And, and she does something amazing. She leaves her water jar. Remember the water jar she came with? She, she leaves it behind. It's such a beautiful picture because where she was going, that, that old water jar, it wasn't going to suffice. She's walking now into a different life, a, a whole different approach to the world. She was walking in hope. She was acting in hope, saying, I, I don't need that old jar anymore. I have something better. And she goes to her town with this simple message. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Come meet Jesus for yourself. She knew who Jesus was, how Jesus had reached her. She now invites those near her to experience the same. She leaves her water jar and literally places her hope in a new source, a source that will never run dry. Why could she do that? Because Jesus was making her whole. That she knew that she was fully seen, she was fully known, and she was fully loved. That's whole. The same can be true for you. God seeks us out make us whole. I'll wrap up with this. There was a, a school program in a big city that, that would um, hire teachers to help students that ended up in the hospital keep up with their studies. And so one of those teachers received a routine call to go and visit a particular child. And so she took the name and the room number and, and went and spoke to that child's class teacher. And the teacher said, well, we're, we're studying nouns and adverbs. And if you could help him understand that, um, I'd, I'd like that so he doesn't fall behind. And so the program teacher said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll come see him this afternoon. She went to his room that afternoon, and, and honestly, she was shocked. The boy had been very, very badly burned. He was in really critical condition and it, it was so jarring to her that she actually stammered as she introduced herself you know I, I, I've been sent by the school um, to, to help you with with nouns and adverbs uh, so let's do that and she did so to the best of her ability and when she left she felt like she hadn't really accomplished much she was in so much pain the next day uh, she came back and a nurse said to her what did you do to that boy? And the teacher thought, I, I must have blown it. She began to apologize. And the nurse said, no, 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 that's, that's not what I mean. I said, we've all, we've been so worried about that little boy. Um, we weren't sure if he was going to make it. But since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's, it's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy was able to explain to them directly what had changed. He said at that time he had basically given up. He figured he, he wasn't going to survive until that teacher arrived. And everything changed when he came to a very simple realization. He thought no one in their right mind would send a teacher 
to work on nouns and adverbs with a boy unless they knew that boy would live. So if she saw a future, he could see a future. Friends, Jesus sees a future in you. A future that is not tied to the brokenness of your past, but it is tied to the fullness that is found in him. A fullness that only Jesus can bring. Maybe you relate to that heroic woman in this passage. Some bad choices, maybe some bad luck, maybe some bad taste in men or in women. Maybe that's left you feel alone, isolated. Well, first I would want to say this. When it comes to bad choices, join the club. We're all there with you. But second, what you need to know is this. Jesus is seeking you at the well of your life. That place that you go to get water for just one more day to try to survive, that's the place that Jesus wants to meet you. That place you go to, to escape, that's the place Jesus wants to meet you. And right there, Jesus wants to give you living water, water that won't run dry. So, where are you in this game of hide-and-seek with God? You may be hiding from Jesus, but Jesus is absolutely seeking you. Jesus wants to close the distance to bring the truth and to make you whole question is this, will you be found today? Wherever you are, you don't have to hide any longer. Jesus is meeting you at the well. So I would only encourage you in this way. Would you put down the water jar, the water jar that only gets you water for one more day? And would you pick up the cup that will give you water forever. That's what happens when we get close to Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.